non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. Varney, this is it. Yeah. The final Avatar The Last Airbender episode of book two. You know what this <sighs> means. Do I know what this means? Uh, it means we had an amazing season of guests and conversations and laughter and tears. Yeah, it definitely means all of that, too. But what I'm saying okay. is that we are even closer to getting our professional degrees as experts in the Avatarverse, Varney. We are so uh-huh. close. Now that we have one more full season of Avatar under our belt, plus four seasons of Korra, I'm going to be so smart. Uh, plus books and comics and upcoming oh, yeah. movies. Are we that close, my friend? Yes. Okay, so in other words, we're still nowhere near being experts. I guess it's a good thing that we love our jobs. Yes, it is a good thing, and we do. And to finish out this amazing season we have had together, we wanted to end big with this fantastic Crossroads of Destiny episode, and we needed two amazing guests to match the magnitude of the episode, right? Yes, so please welcome back to the podcast the voice of Aang, Zach Tyler Eisen, and one of our two dads, Mike DiMartino. What's up? Welcome back, guys. Hello. Hello. Gentlemen. Hi. Good, good to be back. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you again. You too. Now Aang sounds more manly than I do. I'm a little worried about I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nothing Aang's I can do about up. that. Aang's a grown up. <laughs> How long has it been since you've seen each other's faces, Zach and Mike? I mean, I was a child, and now I'm almost a 30-year-old man. Uh, <laughs> wow. But we saw each other recently at, at some point. I know I've seen you. I just can't remember. You look very much the same. <laughs> he does look the same. Maybe you watched, because remember we had that really fun clip that went uber viral of Zach and Dante talking about Zutara versus Katang. So that was definitely making <laughs> maybe, the rounds. Maybe that was Possibly it. Possibly oh, yeah. you saw him arguing the honor of Katang. That's my honor that I need to restore. I'm glad that Zach's here for this particular episode because we get a little glimpse into the other side. I knew you would be. We don't have to get into it yet. All right. We'll save it for the episode. We'll save it for the recap. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to spring this on you, but we would love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, we have been kind of casually putting it out there into the world that when Jason Manzukas was last on the podcast, he pointed out that we don't have a name for our listeners yet. And that is definitely kind of part of the podcast culture for some podcasts. Uh, people love to have, you know, like Critical Role. Everybody's called the Critters. Right. And so he was like, what are you guys going to call? So we asked some folks. We reviewed a couple of suggestions when Ron Fun was here with us, and Ron threw his hat into the ring with an idea as well. So right now we have three running uh, ideas, and we'd love to get your thoughts, and we're going to poll the audience uh, of listeners on social media as well. But So we have the suggestion of the pro-bravers, which is like pro-bending plus braving the elements, the pro-bravers. We have the rough buddies, because that's rough buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And we have the very simple... Cabbage heads! Ooh. They're all pretty I mean, it's hard to top cabbage heads. I feel like the cabbage heads is the clearest. Yeah, right. For the yeah. first one, I was a little confused. Second one, I feel like could have some unsavory connotations. Uh, and, and maybe the cabbage heads is the way to go. But, you know, just a thought. All right. I like that. This is very valuable. What do you think the poll is going to be with the general public, Dante? I feel like cabbage heads is going to probably edge out. I'm sure a lot of people are going to love the Rough Buddies, yeah. but I'm with you, Mikey. It, it can go all over the place. Rough all over I think the Rough Buddies might be the dark horse. Yeah, that, that could be low-key popular. <laughs> yeah, it alludes to the Rough Rhinos as well, which, you know, 
Yes, it does. There you go. Okay, well, we'll report back uh, on the poll. Before we get into this recap, Dee, do you mind telling everybody, like helping us remember where we were with our last episode with Nikki Z? Yes, of course. Reminding everyone out there that our last episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender, was we talked about the guru with Megizzi Pensano. The episode aired along with Crossroads of Destiny as a special two-parter, and that's also how you'll find it on a lot of streaming platforms like Netflix. In that episode, we see the group split up, Aang and Guru Pathik, Sokka and Chief Akoda, and the other Southern Water Tribe warriors, and Top is captured by Zen Fu and Master Yu, but creates metal-bending and escapes. Azula and Long Thing are working together against the Earth King. Ultimately, Katara is captured, which causes Aang to stop his training and head back to Bossing Say. I'll say it. Let's press that button we don't have that says a lot happened in that episode, especially if you think of it as the first half of this finale. We definitely uh, have a lot to cover today. A lot more happens. I'm not going to dig too deeply into it uh, because we all know where we're headed, but we certainly have some big Zuko feels happening. We have some Zutara. We have some Katang. We have just a lot of big decisions being made that tie into kind of big picture values, but also these kind of small emotional moments that sort of feed into this big picture in such a wonderful way for a season finale. I would love to know, uh, Mike, you directed this episode. Aaron Ehas wrote it. Did you know already that you guys were picked up for season three? Because I know we talked about that for season one's finale that there was a sort of sense of like what if we don't go forward like what would we want our last episode if it was just one season to look like i can't remember if you knew already i'm pretty sure we must have known that we'd been picked up by that point i mean it's a huge cliffhanger if yeah this one crazy yeah, and just the way happened. i know we've talked about this before but like the way that production works like likely we would have had to have had the pickup for season three to start production on that and while we were finishing up season two. So um, my guess is, yes, we, we knew there was going to be more. So With all that, there's so much in these two episodes. Like, we're going back watching these two episodes. There's so much that you're doing in this finale double. It's wild. Did you When you guys were putting together, were you like, let's just keep throwing all the stuff in there? I don't know. It was always tricky because, like, there was a lot of story to get through and the scripts were always long and then we'd have to cut stuff out. And even rewatching it, I was like, man, this feels kind of rushed, this part. Feels like the scene could go on a little longer, and like, yeah, we just had to, get, you had to get on with it, move on. So, twenty-two uh, minutes, baby. Yeah, we used every frame of every episode. Oh, Indeed, we really did. I will say, I felt like we noticed it in the last episode, and I think I came off as too critical. And I will say that our dear friend McGizzy sort of was like, "Well, hold on now," because the thing that I remember feeling was so whirlwind in the Guru was just how quickly Ang sort of moves past each oh, and yeah. clears yeah. each chakra. That was the only thing for me. Which, again, as I said then, was a compliment to the episode because I'm like, "No, I'm ready to see." the longer process of this. And so that is the only thing that I really felt like was had to be rushed because of the time constraint that you guys had. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. There was the, I mean, <laughs> spiritual enlightenment usually doesn't take 22 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> it was definitely, a, but, but I will say, yeah, I mean, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that episode over the years and people really connect with it so yeah. so it's a great must one have, it's one of my favorites is it one of your favorites zach? yeah you're dropping chakras on the kids yeah. that's right yeah they gotta learn sometime <laughs> zach was that something that you knew anything about as a kiddo like so no. when you cracked open that script it was sort of your first acquaintance with the the idea of chakras and which i absolutely love 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. I remember like having to be coached on the pronunciation. Um, I these were all new concepts, um, and and since that was my introduction to them, I, I had long associated them with Avatar and my experience Aww. on the series. So okay. you know, as they become more commonplace in the general lexicon, I, it's it's always in my mind. Um, but yeah, uh, that was absolutely my introduction to spirituality. I'm sure a lot of kids that grew up, especially in America, that you like you, that's like their first kind of learning of chakras and spirituality oh, in that yeah. way. And it was on Nickelodeon Avatar. It's crazy. Yeah, really. I know. Which, by the way, Aang didn't know about the chakras either. So you were learning right alongside your character. And we, we were the same age. Which we pronounce in this show as chakras, because if, if the creator's on the show, I, I, I got to correct the pronunciation or people are okay, so it's i remember being told that so it's chakras. chakras chakras like chakras. chakras boy i gotta tell you i do not think we said it right with the <laughs> that's all right <laughs> i think there's variations on the pronunciations but but in the show we pronounced it chakras. chakras i remember back in the day like doing the show i would talk to mike and brian about we were talking about yogas that we were doing different practices martial arts. we were talking about all yeah. kinds of stuff that was happening in the show and that we were actually all doing forms of in real life at the time and or in the process of like learning all that stuff which is wild i was like oh yeah i was like oh this kind of yoga i was big into like hot yoga right yes <laughs> uh mike you said when you were watching this episode that it brought back memories for you we don't know what those are so feel free to bust <laughs> in uh <laughs> if we get to a point and you're like ah this triggered a memory for me so just don't be afraid to bust in if something came up for you when you were watching. But with that said, shall we jump in? We want to get started and find out what's going on at the beginning of the episode. Dante, you want to bring us in? Let's go. So we open on an ostrich horse having a sip of water somewhere outside the gates of Bossing Say. Now, at risk of maybe focusing on the wrong, sharing me the details of this episode, it did kind of make me wonder, is this a wild ostrich horse? I mean, I guess, and it's alone. Maybe they're solo. You know, they don't run in packs or anything. I mean, does it matter that's an ostrich horse? Mike, any thoughts? You just I think there are wild ostrich horses. Or okay. it could have been an ostrich horse in the zoo and Aang freed all those animals. Oh, yeah. Or a deserter true, true. from the army. I mean, yeah. he was like, yeah. I'm sick of this war. I'm just going to go chill out over here and drink some water. I don't know. Spinoff series. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it gets its <laughs> spinoff series. Yeah, every once in a while, we'll have a thing where... You know, someone deep in the fandom will be like, you don't know that that is the exact ostrich horse that Iroh and Zuko wrote, da, 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 da. like that is in the Avatar extras. So I felt that like, you know, we both felt like yeah. Zuko stole it out there just in they're, case. They're like horses. There's a lot of them around. You might see some yeah. Fair, ones. fair, fair. Understood. Yeah. Dante, please continue. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, this particular ostrich horse is our witness to Aang and Sokka flying back into Pa Sing Se on Appa since they need to, because Katara is in trouble. He couldn't actually tell exactly what's happening. But they're discussing this is when they discover Toph, who's racing towards a city doing this awesome thing we saw on the last episode where she's almost kind of like ice skating or something. She's kind of like, yeah, she's like a superhero ice skating and earth bending. We called it an earth wave. Earth waving. Earth wave. Looks awesome. It's my favorite genre of music. <laughs> earth wave. <laughs> Gritty, organic, love it. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, in the palace, Azula is using her usual scared in in intimidation tactics to get the Dai Li on her side and get the coup against the Earth King going. Tai Li and Mei are impressed with Azula's progress, but she points out there's still a matter of the Avatar and Zuko and Iroh. Yeah, which of course takes us to Zuko and Iroh. And there they are standing at the threshold of the palace. 
I love that moment of Iroh reflecting on the way he would have once expected to arrive at the palace, right, as a conqueror instead of as this honored guest. And it's kind of a perfect parallel with Zuko's situation. It's it's sort of this idea of how he's going to live the rest of his life, like what side he's going to be on. Or do you want to be the conqueror? Or do you want to be the honored guest? Uh, that's what came up for me when I was watching this part of it. And Zuko's, he's still pretty cheerful and positive as well. You know, we've it's not been so long since he was uh, pretty anxious. But he's gone through his sickness. Iroh has nursed him back to health. It seems like he is on this path. And part of this path means that he's like really supportive of Iroh. Like he just seems kind of content, right, in working at the tea shop. And things seem like they're kind of calm, which is great. And speaking of cheerful and positive, by the way, Aang is like super avoiding telling Sokka and Toph what really happened when he left Guru Patik instead of mastering the Avatar state. So this is another example for those he of you who again. feel like Aang never lies. <laughs> A rare Aang lie. A rare I know Aang Zach's lie. here, but let's just put it out there. He straight up lies. I'll admit it. Not a great game face. I think if he were called on it in any way, shape, or form, his game face is poor enough that he would have very willingly admitted uh, the truth. But he's, like, hoping he can just, like, coast over that real quick because I'm pretty sure he knows that the truth would be found out soon enough anyway. So back at the palace, Iroh and Zuko await the king. And it really is so sad because they thought this wonderful thing was happening for them. And we know what's going to happen, or we suspect what's going to happen. And sure enough, the Dai Li sort of low-key shuffle in surrounding them. And then, of course, they get Azulid. I feel like we might as well turn her name into a verb at this point because she's got some real good moves. They fully get Azulid. And she loves this killer instinct of the Dai Li. She compares them to firebenders. And then we have Iroh kind of casually asking... Did I ever tell you how I got the nickname, the Dragon of the West? I'm not interested in a lengthy anecdote, Uncle. It's more of a demonstration, really. Side note, I was just at a con, Mike, and this woman came up to me and she's like, I just named my daughter Azula, her baby. I said, what? Oh my gosh. Said, <laughs> wow. I named her Azula. I said, why would wow. you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you think that I would want to know that? That is an interesting choice. It's a bold choice, yeah. <laughs> my, my parents' neighbors named their dog Zuko. I think I, I sent you a cool. pic, Dante. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot a of Zuko, dogs, Kyoshi, cat. I think <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here, you know, Iroh casually asks, like, oh, by the way, have I, do you know why? called or it was called the dragon of the west and no big deal iroh can just breathe fire i don't know about you guys i could have watched that for like 15 more minutes that's maybe that's another that's example amazing. of the thing that you're like oh let's just sit in this place with iroh yeah. fire breathing this is amazing but we got a lot of stuff to do you gotta show that and then move on because this action is coming fast and furious in this episode but they run down the hall and then from the outside of the building, we see the wall explodes and Iroh jumps through and lands on the ground. Mike, I'm so sorry we keep having to pull you into this for fact checks. But we see what looks like blue lightning or at least blue fire. So in addition to regular fire breaking through the wall. So a little bit of a share me the details moment, but I just want to clarify, do we know if that's, is it Iroh's fire exploding the wall and Azula's lightning or blue flame that she has shot at them? Or has he used lightning to help sort of bust up the wall. Do you remember? Yes, you know? that was another thing. We couldn't show all the details, but 
it was implied that he, as he's running down the hall, this was a very exciting scene. Maybe we storyboarded it. I don't remember. But he uh-huh. shoots some lightning to bust open the wall and then jumps out. So, yes, that is his lightning. That's awesome. Shoots through the wall. He has lightning, it's too. It's his lightning. Oh, it's settled. That makes me so happy. <sighs> Iroh's blue lightning helps break open Everybody that wall. has lightning in the family, Mike. I'm sorry, buddy. No, I'm just so Iroh and Azula and Ozai. Zuko's the only one, buddy. Sorry. He doesn't have it. He can redirect it, though. I can redirect He'll stuff. He'll start a sentence positively, like, not at all, Dante. Not at all. The only people who even have it are the rest of the family I'm about to yes. name. Oh, my goodness. That's rough, buddy. Yeah. Yes, it is. Sorry, buddy. I can redirect it. There you the go. rough buddies strike again. The rough buddies are at it again, everybody. <laughs> I love that the topiaries seem like they're made of rock. Is that also fair? Because it makes this like crumbling uh, sound that seems like kind of a hard fall. I think he just hit the ground hard. I'm pretty sure those were like, did he land on a platypus bear? I can't remember. I think he a had a bear it, of some sort. Or maybe yeah. just the bear. Yeah. There are definitely different animal topiaries. Okay. This is good to know because I was like, oh, the Earth Kingdom thinks it's funny to have like topiaries that are made out of rock. And that's why it made this like very loud boulder crumbling sound. <laughs> I think that was just uh, his <laughs> old bones <laughs> hitting the ground. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Oh. Iroh. He's still got it, though. All right. Uh, Okay. Well, now we've got our lightning and topiary answers. Uh, Mike, why don't you take us forward in the episode? Well, what's happening now? Yes. So Iroh's on the ground. Bones broken. (laughs) Shattered kneecaps. (laughs) No, he was fine. He was fine. Those topiaries were very soft. He didn't roll out of it. He just caught his fall. Yeah. So he's trying to get Zuko to jump down because he's like, hey, these topiaries are great. You should just come on and, and jump down. Uh, but Zuko stops. He's kind of deciding what he's going to do, and he decides he can't run anymore, and he's got to go back and face Azula. Um, so, he, you know, he thinks he's going to have his big moment. He's facing her down, and but Azula's just super casual, just undermines his whole thing by being super patronizing. And even though it's super high stakes, it's his sister, and she treats him like the little brother. Um, I know. Totally. Well, no, she's the younger sister. He's the older brother. What is? She's the younger sister. Oh, you're right. But she treats <laughs> yeah, him sorry. like she's the big sister. She treats him like, oh, Zuzu. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, aren't you cute? Yeah, she teases him like she always does. I know. But Zuko's, you know, he's going to fight her. And he challenges her to an Agni Kai, which is the traditional Fire Nation standoff for honor. And, yeah. uh, he, you know, he's taking it very seriously. And she sort of just brushes it off and lets the Dai Li take care of her dirty work. And they yep. kind of go out on yeah. a shot of them shooting their cool rock glove hands toward camera, implying that they uh, have captured him. Sorry, wow. Dante. Sorry, Dante. <laughs> you have been captured. I know. <laughs> it was kind of easy, too. It was, like, very fast. Yeah. like, dang, Zuko. Like, <laughs> that didn't go like you planned it. Yeah. Uh, then we check in with Aang and Sokka and Toph, who are being told by the Earth King that this whole Katara's in trouble thing is not true, as far as he knows. She's just hanging out with Suki and the other two Kyoshi warriors. Uh, and if anything dangerous was happening, the king promises that Bosco the Bear would surely have sensed it. And, uh, yeah, we just have the traditional shot of the bear looking around like he has no clue what's going on, of course. So Bosco, not the greatest sensor of danger. And then we cut to Katara, who's definitely in trouble because she's in prison underground in this crystal cavern. And the Dai Li mm-hmm. open up the rock wall and toss Zuko down there in with her. 
Uh, and then this is the part where the Zutara shippers, they were getting excited. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. I'm shaking sorry. my head for all you yep. people listening. <laughs> but before we see what happens between them, uh, we go back to the, the apartment where the, we had seen Team Avatar hanging out for a while in some other earlier episodes. And they, yep. they're looking for Suki and Guitar. They think they might be back there, but there's no sign of them. But Momo's there. They get Momo, and then there's a knock at the door. Who could it be? Toph knows. <laughs> Actually, I know who it is. It's an old friend of mine. Glad to see you're okay. I need your help. So yeah, Aang and Sokka are not sure how to react to the fact that apparently Toph and Iroh know each other. There's a great shot of Aang and Sokka's perplexed faces as it mm-hmm. fades to black, a commercial. Um, pretty shocking moment. But Iroh fills them in on Azula's presence in Ba Sing Se, and Aang is very quick to agree to work with Iroh to save Katara and Zuko. He even says, like, we'll save Katara and Zuko, and Sokka's like, wait a minute, Zuko? <laughs> um, a little more apprehensive, but Aang somehow just, for, for whatever reason, just dives right in. Um, so uh, eventually they get Sokka on board, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a pretty, like, revealing moment about Aang's character. And he's in. He understands yeah. what's at stake. And then he knows he's got to save Zuko in order to save Katara. And they've done it before, right? I mean, it's been That's spread right. out through the first two seasons. But this is not the first time that one has saved the other and vice versa. So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. They do this. I think for a 12-year-old, I think Aang's got a pretty decent judge of character, too. And, and you yes. know, can sense Iroh's a good guy. Yes. Sokka, yes. maybe not so much. But we get him to come around. And yeah, you mentioned they've done it before. Uh, Iroh is really like pushing this idea on them that Zuko has good inside of him and he's like really been working it out of him. And even more than that is the whole city's in danger. So they've got to band up and act quickly. So Iroh captured a Daily agent who's outside. You realize he's the one with the scar in his face, that there was a creative shot that they snuck in a little earlier. And, you know, Toph puts him in a little earth-bending, what's those old-timey jail kind of things? Or a stockade? Is that what it's called? Whoa! Um, yeah, the stocks. Stocks. Thank you, Mike. Nice. And, uh, yeah, he talks. He squeals pretty immediately. But that's a big help. So he tells them that they're uh, in the Crystal Caverns. Is that is that? Uh, am I yeah. right on that? Crystal catacombs, yeah. Crystal catacombs, thank you. No, I think we call them the crystal caverns. Uh, that sounds right. I don't know. I don't even know my own show, so it's all right. Catacombs cavern? Because <laughs> catacombs is where, like, we had, like, the dragon bone catacombs in the Fire Nation. That's more like yeah. the burial place. But right. this was, like, an old ancient right. city underneath modern bossing Which is super cool, by the way. Yeah. Super, super cool. I love, love that. It. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this, Zach. You mentioned the soldier with the scar because we see that scar. And, and I think, do we see him when Azula is telling yeah. the Daili not to? So it's kind of significant. Yeah, he's in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. She's like, if there's any hesitation. When she was giving orders, he was not with Azula. He was like, oh. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. trying to remember. I, I have a feeling we put that in because it was like, well, the scar was just... As a way to identify the guy so that when you saw him later, yeah. you because the Dai Li all look kind of the same. So that was part yeah, of it. And no, then it part sense. of it was like to show like the reason he caved pretty fast was like he already had doubts, I guess. He, he was already questioning <laughs> the, the, the situation. So when Iroh pushed him a little hard, it didn't take much for him to uh, break. So It's a good visual cue. I like yeah. it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Now I know. 
All right, so yeah, we end up going to the cell where Long Fang is being held. An agent is outside the cell telling him what's going on, that Azula has not only been cooperating, she's taken over and is terrifying slash inspirational, um, which, you know, I think Long Fang is a little worried about. But um, uh, yeah, I, he, there's not much he can do. He's, he's locked up. He's meditating, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Zuko and Katara are in their own prison cell in the catacombs. I guess we're, we're going with that. And um, Katara accuses Zuko of being down there as a plot to capture Aang, which everything we've seen up to now in the series indicates that that's probably the case. But Zuko won't engage with her. That really angers Katara. And she even tells Zuko that being evil is in his blood, which is really important because we know what Iroh has been telling Zuko about his choices and that he can choose his own destiny. Crossroads of destiny. Mm. Get it? See? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Katara shares a little anecdote about how the war has affected her personally. You have no idea what this war has put me through. Me personally. The Fire Nation took my mother away from me. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's something we have in common. Zach, I'm going to take over now. Since I know you don't ship Zutara, so... I do not. Let's go ahead and leave (laughs) Zuko and Katara down there, bonding over their circumstances. Mike, this is the moment that you put together that launched... A million Zutara ships, uh, which is crazy. It's such a small moment. It's so crazy when you watch it. It's such a small moment, but it launched a million Zutara ships. The big what if. Yeah. And then we go check in with Iron Toph and Aang and Sokka, who, along with Momo and Appa, are trying to figure out how to get to Katara and Zuko. Toph can feel the underground city beneath them and opens a tunnel. The gang splits up. Top and Sokka will warn the Earth King while Iron and Aang will head into the tunnel to find Katara and Zuko. Iron and Aang have a great conversation. I love the quote from Iron. So, Top thinks you give pretty good advice and great tea. The key to both is proper aging. So great. It's lovely. I was watching my girlfriend. I was like, that quote, listen to that quote. I'm gonna, let's play it again. <laughs> and tells Iron and the guru about how he couldn't let go of someone he loves. Iroh is actually very proud of Aang for choosing love. It's not always about being perfect and powerful, and he can't reassure Aang that everything will be okay. But what happens if we can't save everyone and beat Azula? Without the Avatar state, what if I'm not powerful enough? I don't know the answer. Sometimes life is like this dark tunnel. You can't always see the light at the end of the tunnel, but if you just keep moving, You will come to a better place. And they do. They found the ancient underground city. Then we go over to Sokka and Toph at the palace. And I just need to point out that these two cats have just walked up a lot of very steep steps. And uh, they're not winded at all. They're just chilling. (laughs) I wish I could get get that fit, you know? Anyway, (laughs) we see General Howe. But before they can talk to him, he's captured by Daily agents. It's the coup. And then all the other generals, one by one, are captured all at the same time. They're so organized, he's dilly. Sokka mm-hmm. and Toph get to the Earth King and are relieved to see he's still safe with the Kyoshi Warriors. You know, like the Kyoshi Warriors who, who don't even know who Suki is. I mean, it is pretty funny to see Tylee hit on. She's always hitting on Sokka. Sokka gets all the girls. <laughs> they realize they've been Azulad again. Maze fighting with Toph. Tylee's dancing with Sokka. Azula 
has her blue flame to the Earth King's throat. Tylee Chi blocks Sokka and Toph, and instantly they're down. And then even Momo gets captured. They're all led away by the Dai Li. Even poor Bosco the bear. Yeah, Bosco's, he's just along for the ride, for better or for it's worse. not very helpful, this Bosco bear. He's kind of the anti-Appa and Momo. Like, he's just not incentivized, I, I guess, or doesn't have the intelligence quotient <laughs> to He's lived a very fully... plush life in the palace, Varney. He's an indoor dog. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, like dogs that are mutts are said to be maybe really smart and hardy because they're hybrids. And so uh, maybe being Bosco the bear is actually kind of hard on him because he doesn't have two animals combined. <laughs> Dante, do you feel any uh, kinship with Bosco sharing a name? <laughs> yeah, of course you hear your name. Just a, you know, what is that? But we cleared up where the Bosco name came. It's just it's just serendipitous that it's also you know okay. the pretty correct pronunciation of yeah, my it was last our name. our friend's dog, as I recall. Ah, yeah. okay, it's a good name. It's a good name. Good dog, and also the you know Bosco the bear, like the chocolate. You know Seinfeld. Was also right, 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 right. That's what came to Bosco my mind. Bosco the bear has like <laughs> kind of been around for years. Yeah, yeah. He's making the rounds. Okay, so now it's time for Long Fang to make his big move. You said it, Zach. He looked a little bit upset when he found out that Azula was inspiring all this loyalty in the Dai Li. So he shows up and immediately tells the Dai Li to arrest Azula. And, of course, they don't move. And Azula gets to have this kind of wonderful, powerful speech where she explains why she is so confident that she's going to be the one to win not just the Dai Li's loyalty, but also Long Fang. And ultimately, he does bow down to her. She is, I think you're right, her reading of people, possibly up to and including the guy with the scar who seemed a little uncertain with what was going on, and then he did end up betraying her, like... She can read a situation, and sure enough, Long Fang is like, you beat me at my own game. And she's like, oh, honey, bless. <laughs> like, did you think you had a chance? That's adorable. <laughs> so I guess it's not just Zuko that she patronizes. Uh, it's true that it's, like, basically everyone. Uh, so back with Katara and Zuko. Katara apologizes to Zuko, explaining that, you know, his face is so sort of tied to the concept of the enemy for her that it's hard to untangle. And when someone talks about Zuko's face, he kind of equates the comment with, also being, you know, the self-consciousness that he has about his scar and how it meant that his destiny was sort of fixed firmly in place. But now he's not so sure. Maybe he can choose his own destiny after all. And Katara even adds that maybe he could also, in addition to being free of this burden that he feels he carries, that his, his destiny and the Fire Nation, what if he could also be free of his mark? And we remember that she has this water she's been carrying Ever since the spirit oasis at the Northern Water Tribe, which is capable of ostensibly this incredible healing. So let's just stop for a second and reflect on how big of a deal this is. Crazy. I love Katara so much. But it's a huge deal because when we were at the Spirit Oasis, we had Zuko trying so hard to capture Aang. We had an unconscious Aang being dragged away by Zuko into the snow. We have uh, Zhao killing one of the fish. And that leads to Yue's kind of sacrificing of her life. So there is a lot of baggage attached to this water. And yet... Katara is offering to use that water to help him get rid of his scar to sort of represent this giant step forward of being on the side of good. And and I love that so much because it shows what a long way we've come from the Spirit Oasis and just even her willingness to understand, you know, that he comes from somewhere as well. And he's a product of his environment, just like she is. And it's beautiful. And again, you know, Zutara fans are like on their feet. They are on their feet because Katara even reaches up and touches Zuko's face. And I think like we've never seen anyone touch 
Zuko's scar before, except for Zuko. So it's a Mm. big moment. It's a small moment, yet it's a big moment. And before anything else can happen, uh, Aang and Iroh bust in. Sorry. And Great timing. Sorry, buddy. That's rough. (laughs) That is rough. I mean, it's a case of bad timing. (laughs) Some things just aren't meant to be, you know. Yeah. Some people would say it's a case of great timing. No offense. True. <laughs> well, because imagine if she had used the water on Zuka. No, I assume yeah. it's single-use water, Mike. Uh, yes, as we yes, because in the end she uses it on Aang and then it's gone. Right. Oh, right. Spoiler right. alert. <laughs> but you know that there are people who sort of split off into a multiverse that starts oh, yeah. in that There's moment. There's got to be a right? multiverse you know out there somewhere. Split it off, and in the multiverse version that they want, maybe if Zuko had gotten his scar removed and he had had some of that incredibly special and beautiful and pure water what if he wouldn't have sided with foreshadow report for the next few minutes azula like like you could sort of go wait a minute like maybe ang never needs the spirit water if zuko gets a spirit water i don't know (laughs) i don't know it's a great point (laughs) Did you guys discuss either way because it it is interesting because i think about that sometimes in the multiverse concept but then also what we talk about scars and what they represent in your life and for zuko he talked about later on too like also your scars make you so it's like to lose your scars may not always be as helpful as you may think it would be uh, sometimes you know which i think you know for yeah i don't know i feel like the, the, the spirit water would have externally healed him but maybe not he still had the internal healing yeah. to do you know so yeah. totally i loved how you teased it out there in the universe and I then know. didn't do it it's Ooh. that's pretty wild uh-huh. but it's i just want to say one thing about zutar it's fine that everyone likes zutar uh I don't think Katara is coming at it from a romantic place at all. She's coming at it from a, like, she's an empathetic person. Two minutes ago, she was yelling at him because she hated him. But then she kind of, you know, she hears a story and she can appreciate where people are coming from. So I I would just argue that it wasn't a romantic thing for them. It, It was like, a kindling of a friendship for sure, but um, and there you have I it. I know, I know, many people will disagree with me there, but I don't think she was having romantic feelings. One of right the creators there. of the show just said it, so think on that, everyone. <laughs> think on yeah, that. Think before you disagree. Like, I'm going to disagree uh, with the creator of the show. Oh, they'll disagree with that's not a problem. People will disagree with us all the time. So, anywho. Well, we know the road we're going down. We are going down the cannon road, and we see that Katara's running to Aang. Iroh's running to Zuko. Zuko is as shocked as, you know, the the rest of the gang was to see Toph and Iroh be friends. Zuko's very shocked to see that Iroh's with Aang. Uh, And Iroh knows that he needs to talk to Zuko, so he goes ahead and sends Aang and Katara off to help their friends. And shout out another little Share Me the Details moment. There are so many in this episode. I love that Aang bows to Iroh, and that's a firebender salute, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, as I recall. That's what fans everywhere have Dante Poe's doing (laughs) some version of this, if memory serves, at cons everywhere. Oh, I did it wrong one time, and I got called out on it for sure. (laughs) Don't even, yeah. Don't do that. Um, I, I don't know. I just love that. I love that he. it's this way of sealing the respect and the friendship and also just this understanding that the Fire Nation isn't inherently evil. And we've talked about that both seasons of the show, of course. We people. get lots there's of some good people reminders about Nation, that. But there's some good folks out there. <laughs> okay. So 
I just love that. I love that that you see that the respect and the friendship is is there with Iroh in this kind of small moment, this gesture. Um, and so Katara leaves with Aang, and the moment between her and Zuko is over, and then Iroh levels with Zuko. Why, Uncle? You are not the man you used to be, Zuko. You are stronger and wiser and freer than you have ever been. And now you have come to the crossroads of your destiny. It's time for you to choose. It's time for you to choose good. She gives that look back, though, Varney. A slow look back, you know? Don't say that to me. Tell that to Mike. Tell that to one of your dads. I'm, I'm not saying anything. We can, anyone can read any way they want. I'm just saying there's a double look back. Again, yeah. it was not a romantic look. It may not be romantic. Empathetic. Empathetic. Compassionate. She felt bad. She was like, oh, man, what's going to happen now? Yes. I'm sorry, maybe another time. And she was reaching him. Like, <laughs> am I reaching this person? Can I help this person move to the True. next yeah. level of their own kind of humanity? Um, and it's a missed opportunity. Uh, but so, okay, so that's happened. Uh, Mike, where are we? Zula shows up with the Daili who sees Iroh. She accuses Iroh and Zuko of being traitors. And she's especially disappointed that Zuko would betray his family and nation. She offers Zuko redemption by doing the right thing. And Ira reminds him that anything she promises is not something he should be listening to or should trust. And, you know, we think back to that dream Zuko had when he was sick uh, that had the blue dragon and the red dragon. And it is kind of similar. He's like, he's torn. The two halves of himself are, are in conflict and mm-hmm. Iroh's, you know, pleading with him to sort of choose the, the side of light and good. And, and Azula's, you know, trying to lure him back into her side of things, the, the darkness, so to speak. And uh, this is part of her plan to, you know, take Ba Sing Se. Um, and she, of course, gets through to him by, uh, you know, using the H word, as Dante likes to. Honor! <laughs> Honor! <laughs> the end of this day you will have your honor back you will have father's love you will have everything you want Zuko I am begging you look into your heart and see what it is that you truly want you are free to choose can I say shout out to Gray Delisle because watching the episode again and seeing that part, and I come from a big family, you know, I'm Filipino fan. You can use family in a lot of ways to kind of like <laughs> make you do things, and she was so good because it yeah. was like I was even watching it like, I mean, yeah, like I'm not a traitor. Like my family, it's you know, <laughs> there was like she did it in a way that was like she's yeah. so evil a lot of times with Zula, but when she's doing this speech, it was so kind of like brother sister nice, like just come back to the family, it's gonna be fine, and like. My goodness, kind of sounds like a not a bad a idea. Master manipulator, totally. Zach, exactly, master manipulator. And it's like she knows the perfect moment to pull back and say, and by the way, this is your choice, which is so kind of the opposite (laughs) of the force that she puts on people. So the fact that she has a presence of mind to be like, in fact, I bet if I give this to him as an option, that is going to make him even more inclined to come my way. Oh, dastardly. That's some high-level stuff. I know. It is great. And horrible at the same time. (laughs) So Zuko (laughs) is at the crossroads of his destiny. Yes. And he has the choice. Uh, I remember doing, yeah, doing these shots in the cinematic of like the seeing the unscarred side and the scarred side. Oh, so good. You know, like just torn between his two parts of his psyche. And Azula leaves him with his choice and goes after Aang and Katara and catches up with them down in the in the caverns. 
of the the ancient city and there's this cool waterfall and yeah all those cool glowing crystals and um yeah you just see an aqueduct like kind of remnants of the ancient city um that particular part is important because Katara and Aang use it uh when they battle Azula and then they're facing off and Zuko appears out of nowhere there's a burst of fire and there's Zuko and it's unclear for a moment like who he was aiming for yeah but then he makes it very clear that he's going with Azula. And he attacks Aang. He fails. He gets to the crossroads and he fails, Mike. Well, I do want to highlight here, like, this was one of the things we talked about probably early in season two was, like, and maybe we talked about this in an earlier episode, but just the idea that everyone kind of knew Zuko was going to go good or he was going to help Aang and join the team eventually. And it was sort of like he had to go worse before he... He redeemed himself. So this was his moment yeah. of, you made the wrong choice, buddy. You, you, you. But you kind of understand why he made the choice. It's not, he had a serious dilemma on his hands. So Totally. I think that kind of like non-linear part of his arc is just so smart at what like makes this such a good show is that like it's not a yeah. point A to point B. It's not a direct journey for him. I mean, he has such a great arc throughout the series, but, uh, you know, it, it's great to see him struggle with it. It really like deepens the impact of it. Absolutely. I was, I love what you said. I mean, growing up on cartoons, I watched growing up, never have there been an arc like this ever, you know, maybe in one episode, you would do something like this in one episode, something that lasts so long and going back and forth. It's so complex, you know, it was so complex even for any animated thing that I've ever seen or done growing up with. So I think it's one of those things like Zach said. He really has to grapple with it. It's a nice, moment or just which is very human right i mean i think the idea that it reminds us that it is very hard to change and even if you want to do the right thing you might not get there the first time and so that we're not just one and done and not open to people in our lives who want to do better um however we're looking at that subjectively uh that you're going to slip and slide a little bit and that you're going to have progress and that you're going to fall back a few steps and it doesn't mean that it's all worthless and it doesn't mean that this person can't be trusted it doesn't mean that that there's opportunity as we take on our demons or as we you know try to build a different relationship with ourselves in addition to with the world that that just takes time so i love that i love how grounded that is and i think it's really good for us to be reminded that it's not like oh and now he's good um because that's not how (laughs) life works we didn't get picked up for another book you'd be like mike like and the end thank you guys for coming to watch avatar the end (laughs) zuko changes and he's some (laughs) bye All right. So meanwhile, we have our gang of Toph, Sokka, the Earth King, and Momo making sure that there's no Dai Li agents close by as Toph rips apart the metal door to their cell, the metal bending. That is so cool. Um, They need to leave, but the Earth King won't go without Bosco, of course. (laughs) Cut back to the battle, and Zuko is just like going off with this firebending. Aang is really on his heels. Um, Katara is facing off with Azula. Uh, we have this like really cool like matrixy kind of moment where like a bit of water uh, slices off a bit of Azula's hair. Uh, and it honestly so looks cool. like Katara has the edge at that point. Yeah, I love that. It's great. And uh, Aang is like mostly airbending, but he, he is earthbending showing that he's, you know, he's pretty much mastered it by now. Zuko ends up, I think he like blasts him against a rock or something. And so Aang's, you know, 
back on the defense. Um, Katara does this cool thing where she has these water arms, uh, and then she's going for Azula, but Zuko slices him off. Now Katara and Zuko are going back and forth. They each have, uh, Katara has water arms, Zuko has fire arms, and it's really cool contrast of orange and blue. Then Azula, at the same time, is, like, rocketing herself towards Aang. Aang, like, armors up in the crystals he like makes a suit out of crystals and charges at her oh yeah the armor the suit made it yeah it's also like a like ang's more of like an evader in battle and he's really taking an aggressive role here uh but uh it doesn't go well for him he gets tossed into a wall again but we cut back to toff and company ty lee is demonstrating this uh, teaching bosco how to walk on his pause or whatever and uh they think uh, tov busts in and and captures her and may is just like just take the bear get out of here i don't care (laughs) totally then the two of them gang up on katara they knock her down ang does the rock wave thing uh what did you call it mike was it rock wave earth wave the earth wave yes he does do the earth wave earth wave thank you and he's going right for azula and zuko but just at that moment the daily busts in and they are just surrounding everybody Aang, Katara, they're outnumbered. Yes, they are outnumbered for sure. And Aang realizes there's only one way to get through this, the Avatar State. There's too many. The only way is to let her go. I'm sorry, Katara. Aang builds a tiny fortress of solitude for himself and focuses on reconnecting with the Avatar State. He's transported once again to that space where we saw in the last episode with the the psychedelic, with the giant figure of Aang representing the Avatar state, holding the purple orb, all with Jeremy's amazing music to accompany it all. In the crystal formation, Aang's arrows begin to glow. The crystals around him are glowing. Pretty soon, the entire cavern is glowing, and then Aang busts out the top of the crystals. Katara looks on proudly, and I just want to point out how nice and, and wavy her hair is at that moment. She's looking... Yes, it looks very nice and wavy. Very nice and wavy. Dante, don't get distracted. I love the Fortress of Solitude idea. I mean, is that a fair comparison, Mike? Because that's kind of what it reminds me of is sort of the Superman in with his crystals, like kind of having this time to himself where he can reflect. I mean, I'm not saying that that was inspired by that, but it, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, there's also a part in the end of season three where he has a similar thing. It's like... His cocooning thing. I mean, when we found him, he was in a yeah. the sphere of ice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like an avatar, mm-hmm. partly self-preservation mode where yeah, it's like, yeah, I got to focus. I can't be distracted by all this stuff. Yeah. I gotta go inward. It's so cool. Uh, okay. So Aang rises up into the air. His hands we see are empty uh, in real, quote unquote, real life, or at least down in the cavern. But his hands are in that same position as that giant avatar that we've seen holding the purple sphere. But... Before anything else can happen, Aang is hit with lightning. He got Azulid. In this otherworldly space we've talked about, the giant avatar kind of wilts away, drops little Aang, who plummets back to Earth, and we see he's falling fast towards the cavern floor. Katara very quickly creates a wave of water that carries her to catch Aang, washing away all of their adversaries in the process, and she is holding Aang in her arms with tears streaming down her cheeks. And it's not even over, because then we see Zuko and Azula just kind of walking up, 
Let's see what happens. That shot of Katara holding Aang, like a limp-bodied Aang in her arms, it really—it looks like um, that Michelangelo sculpture. It, it, it was directly referenced from that Michelangelo <laughs> sculpture. Yes. Yes. Pieta. Yes. There you yes. go. Love it. Great allegory. That's like real <laughs> yeah. heavy stuff. Yeah. And, and the purple giant avatar thing is very Kubrick as well. Very 2001 with the, with the space baby. <laughs> I think we kept calling him Cosmic Aang. That was, that oh, was Cosmic Aang, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So back in the cavern, there's a burst of fire, and it's Iroh coming in to save the day. He holds uh, Zuko and Azula off, along with the Dai Li, while Katara waterbends some water around her and, and uses it to pull her and Aang up the waterfall. And once they're safe, Iroh stands down, sort of, he's basically surrendering, and he, he allows himself to be captured in crystal. I think partly because his, his heart's just broken. He looks at Zuko. Yeah. He looks away. He's just like, he's just so, I feel like that is his moment of like, I tried, I tried my best and, and I couldn't yes. get through to him. And he's just, he's just sort of shattered. I felt so, so much shame. Yeah. He's, yeah. I think all the fight left him you know, right then. So, and then we're cut back outside and it's night and team avatar has been reunited. They're riding away on Appa and Katara uses spirit water uses it on this we see the lightning scar on his back and the water glows as spirit water does i guess and uh luckily Aang <laughs> is revived and his eyes meet katara's and he and he smiles and it reminded me too and i can't remember if we did this deliberately but we might have that him <laughs> looking up at her was is very reminiscent of like the pilot when she found him i mean she saved him twice yeah. basically she saved oh him yeah uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. When she found him in the ice and he's lying there and he's looking up at her, like, this is a very similar moment. But great. that wound in his back is horrifying. I forgot about that. It is. There's also a shot, and this is in the model sheet. I remember Brian specifically doing this, but you, there is a shot, too. You can see it when he's falling. There's a lightning scar in the bottom of his foot because <laughs> the oh, lightning traveled exit, through him and went his, his body foot. to the foot. Oh, yeah, that's his exit. Wow. Movement. He's covered, so he's got a scar on his back and a scar on the bottom of his foot. Oh. Exit wound. Huh. Goodness. Oh. Nothing but accuracy on, on Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Physics. Yes. That's right. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, a very relieved Katara smiles back at Aang, and for all those Katang shippers out there, they share a nice long hug. Maybe not in a romantic way, but Doubt probably it. a little bit more of a romantic way than, um, you know, okay. the moment okay. with okay. he has who shall not be named. <laughs> I'm sorry, say? I'm sorry. You know. Except for one of our dads. Who can say? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. Well, I mean, we kind of do, but that's, My, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Uh, well, back at the palace, uh, Azula sits on the throne, Zuko is at her side, and he's really torn up over everything that just went down. He just really went through a really heavy moment. He made a big decision, um, and it, he's definitely sick over betraying his uncle. Um, you know, we saw this season all that they had been through together, and I think, it, you know, the decision is weighing on him. And more than that, he's also afraid that if he's going to return to the Fire Nation without the Avatar, then will his father restore his honor? But Azula, as always, has an answer for that. When you return home, father will welcome you as a war hero. But I don't have the Avatar. What if father doesn't restore my honor? He doesn't need to, Zuko. Today, you restored your own honor. 
But at what cost, Zuko? At what cost? Yes. I know. I know. We'll find out. And to quote the king, the Earth Kingdom has fallen. And that right there, my friends, is the end of book two. So much. So much. At least you let us see Aang survive. But other than that, we've got a lot of bad stuff going on. Yeah, that was a downer ending for book two. Empire Strikes Back season, you know? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. It's the middle low point. The Empire Strikes Back, exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, it's effective. I mean, anybody who was watching this when it aired, you just, I'm sure there was like this sort of sonic boom of like, no, like, how long am I going to have to wait for this to resolve? This is awful. (laughs) It's so stressful. That's just good showmaking right there. Attention, urban explorers. Think you've seen everything there is to see in Ba Sing Se? Think again. There's a whole world of adventure right under your feet. For a limited time, now you can tour the Crystal Catacombs. Yes, they are real. Marvel at the beautiful green crystal. Uh, uh, don't open that door. Oh, no, not that one either. Hey, you, get out of there. That's secret. We interrupt this ad to announce that the Crystal Catacombs are closed until further notice, and there is no war in Ba Sing Se. Very stressful, very, very amazing, very fast-paced episode. A little quick one-question trivia. Katara uses a waterbending technique that we've seen her do before, but we haven't seen her use it in a real fight. Does anyone know what I'm referencing? Is it like the octopus thing? Water yeah, arms? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> water yeah. Arms. That's water it. Arms. Yeah. That, those multi, we've, we've seen her practicing that, but we've never seen her put it to effect, unless I'm wrong, and it's then promote would tell us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, that seems <laughs> I about right. Out. I don't know. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, this is yes. also sort of officially the last episode in which uh, <sighs> Mako, our beloved Mako, voices Uncle Iroh. So also also a transitional kind of moment there. Um, as far as uh, Animal Crossing, I don't think we saw any newbies uh, we have our, our old friends. We have our ostrich horse. Um, listeners, let us know if we missed anything. That brings us to nearly the end of this episode, everyone. Let's just discuss who has the most valuable bending and most valuable non-bending of the episode. Uh, there's a lot going on and a lot of bending oh, and a lot of Most valuable bending's got to be the water bending to Hill Aang, right? It's got to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean maybe runner-up yeah. is Iroh jumping in and saving Katara and Aang. Oh yeah, honorable mention to the uh, to the fire breathing. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's just the coolest, the coolest dragon of the West, man. The dragon of the oh, West. So cool. It's a great episode for Iroh. I mean, it's a sad episode for Iroh, but it is a great episode, and it's a great example of like you know, do as I do. Like Iroh was walking the walk. He's not just telling Zuko what he should be doing and the kind of person he should be. Iroh's leading by example, right? Even if Zuko can't make those decisions yet, he's still teaching his nephew because he's still, he's still making those choices. In fact, I would almost say him jumping in at the end is almost a non-bending valuable moment. It's like, Mm. yes, there happens to be bending, but it's almost like the non-bending emotional decision of being like, I'm going to stand up against my own nephew and my own niece to make sure that the avatar is safe. Um, I'm splitting hairs here, but I just think all of his choices and how he shows himself to Zuko are kind of like valuable non-bending in a way. So there's that's that's one idea. I like that. What do you guys think about uh, non-bending? Non-bending. The Dai Li agent who just cracks under pressure. He's the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
In terms of pure value <laughs> to the plot. <laughs> that guy gave him up. We so don't know easy. where he got that scar. Maybe there's a parallel with Zuko. I don't know how I got these scars. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'd say uh, maybe just Aang and ultimately Sokka putting their trust in Iroh. They go from mm. that crazy look on their face to Very like, you I know. like that too. Oh, another Iroh. It's all about Iroh. It's all about, yeah. we all aspire to, to be Iroh. We all want to, I want to grow up to be Iroh. I think we all do. That's, that's just the deal. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, you're probably right, Zach. I think that mo- the fact that they were able to go with Iroh and Iroh was able to convince them to work together to, or, or none of this would have happened or could have been re- way worse than what yeah. happened. Yeah, and it's, it sets the stage for season three as well. Right. So what if we say that the most valuable non-bending is the sort of community of the team that gets formed in this episode where people are trusting each other in a way that they haven't before and yes. that like it's a sort of shared non-bending. The friends we made along the way. Yes. Oh, it's a hint. It's you. a hint My at favorite what, song by Earthwave. <laughs> what could be, you know, or what will be right. foreshadowed yeah. for. Yeah. So. Yeah. With that, Beautiful. you guys, Zach and Mike, thank you so much again oh. for being with us for the last book two recap episode of Brave the Elements. And we do hope you guys both will come back and join us for book three, Fire, where finally things get a little fiery. <laughs> <laughs> finally. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, huge thank fire you. Fire Nation here. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm going to I got to gear up and get ready for the Fire Nation because it's all Fire Nation all the time. Sort of. <laughs> um Guys, yeah, thank you so much. Um, Huge thank you to all of our guests and listeners this season. We still cannot believe how lucky we are to get to do this podcast and talk about something that we all love so much. So here's hoping there's much more to come. Dante, you're the best. You're the best, Varney. Dad, Zach, (laughs) thank you so much for being with us. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Congrats on a great season. Thank you, guys. And that wraps up our season two finale. We have loved getting to dive into book two with everyone. We love all of you, and we cannot wait to see you for season three. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.